Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of IV Podcast. I'm Suta. And I'm Melissa. And this is our 22nd episode. Welcome. 22nd. Here we are in April, about to be May, and we're on episode 22. (laughs) Awesome. So we have waited too long, 22 episodes too long, to talk about Indigenous vision. (laughs) Right. So here's the thing. Um, You started Indigenous vision within two years of me moving to the US and you had this big dream. And now here we are years later and it's like thriving and growing and it's just been amazing. But um, I wanted you to kind of go into why you named it Indigenous Vision. Yeah, I don't know. I should have thought more on this because at the time it was a collective and that collective included the Valley Natives folks from Phoenix, Arizona. Laura Medina. Hey, Laura. And we were trying to figure out because Valley Natives fit it, right? Like, but... I love the name Valley Natives. <laughs> or like Valley of the Natives. I was like, oh, we can turn it to Valley of the Natives. It could be like a soap opera. Right. And we joked who were like the, the Valley girls, like the Valley Natives. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. but this was going to be something that we can do nationally. And I wanted it to be international too, eventually because, because I'm um, first nations as well. I don't want to, yeah, I wanted something that went back farther than the U S Canadian border or even like the, the U S Mexico border. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just, I thought indigenous was encompassing of that. And it gets into that idea that we are of this land. We're from it. Um, we're not migra- migrating from somewhere. <laughs> we're not immigrating from somewhere. Even though academia, archaeology, I think, wants us to believe that. I believe our origin stories and our, our originating from um, the plains and Rocky Mountains and the Great Lake area and yeah, wherever we were here. But indigenous, I think, is is that encompassing term that honored originating from here because Indian is in India and uh, Native American is denoting recognition of America, which we are older than. <laughs> and and um, so, and then in, yeah, so not Indian, but Indian is used today still because that's what our federal governments use for our programming and policies and stuff like that. Yeah, you can't get around like the Bureau of Indian Affairs, <laughs> right? Or it's like still- all the Indian health centers that are out there. You know, yeah, it's, just, it's a really common word that's still used to describe us. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard people even refer to me, especially in America, as Indian or it's an Indian reservation. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still used a lot. There's the Indian Act type things. Yeah, so so that's what's happening at that federal, provincial, state level, service level. But I think within the communities, we want to be called what we originally called ourselves, which for us, it's not even Blackfoot or Blackfeet or it's the Nitsi to be people. Blackfeet, I learned, was a, I think it's a Cree name given to the Blackfoot people. And that makes sense, right? Because I think it was the enemy tribe that usually gave the name to the other tribe because they had scouts that helped them. Like there was kind of incentive for scouts to help, right, against their enemy nations. 
But vision, then the second part, vision, I wanted it to be, well, I always had in mind, like, there's no media down here that is young <laughs> for youth. And this is, this is me thinking back when I'm like, I guess this has been in formation since 25 or 26 years old, I'm 37 now, just living that life going back and forth between Montana and Alberta seeing that gap in services and the usefulness of aptn and turning on satellite tv and even like non-native communities turning on satellite tv and 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 scanning across that channel i think has a really valuable place and it's not happening down here in the us and that's why i always use the example of uh the mohawk nation and wet'suwet'en a couple years ago when Wet'suwet'en put out a call to action on, I think it was social media, and then APTN picked it up that same day. Um, I think it was within the day or the next day, the Mohawk Nation, completely on the other coast, had a blockade in place in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. That's cool. Like, I don't think we have that fast of communication down here in the States. There's no mechanism for that. There isn't. It's very noticeable too. You can see how it's not, it's not unifying at the level that we could be unified at. And I think that APTN really brought that in Canada. I mean, you got a lot of the tribal nations being represented by being either featured as a story, featured as, um, I don't know, a show, even as like an anchor in the news program. You know, like there's just a lot of representation from all the different nations in Canada that encompass aptn and they always have like you know the the people working in the different fields from the north and the each coast so it's just it's a unifying thing you're like yeah i see that everybody's from where they're from but like we're all together doing the same thing it's like one love vibes you know totally one love yeah because and then and then we're all kind of facing the same issues in our communities because colonization has hit us at that same level but it, it hit us at different times so we're in various stages of healing and there's one show that I really love that I haven't been able to watch in a long time and I should look it up on YouTube so having shows like this in the mainstream I think help movements like the 60 scoop movement and that residential school reconciliation movement I think it's called fish out of water I can't remember the host's name but it's a it's a kid who was adopted and didn't grow up in his nation didn't know much about being who you know like who he was supposed to be like nobody can see my air quotes right like your nation side right right um and so he just traveled to his community and he traveled to all communities across Canada exploring how we relate to our food how we get our food different ceremonies different community events and he was so cool at like reintegrating himself that I think a show like that helps our communities reintegrate people who have been stolen and softens our our heart to them you know because we have an internal violence towards each other of like where have you been <laughs> right <I've, laughs> <we're>... <laughs> as a as a kid of a 60 scoop two parents I've always felt like I've never been indeed enough for the res natives like that was the script that I was reading in my head over and over because of that but as i got older i was like oh it's all ties together this whole system is just a big mess and like we're still all unified you know so aptn was pivotal yeah. in like a lot of people's stories they can resonate they're like oh my gosh that's me mm -hmm. 
But that goes to the vision side of it and the hopes that we could contribute someday in some way to a cool U.S. station of Indigenous vision, IV, and have it be like we've, we've expressed that through IV music now. And we are shooting for a small spot on XM Sirius. Yeah. Like, give us, give us a minute. I heard they just got a podcast section, like for the first time ever, um, maybe just last week. And really, you know, podcasts are blowing up. You know what someone told me recently that Apple's not even like really rolled out their podcast. They just have a section in IT or in their whatever network for podcasts mm-hmm. but they're not mm-hmm. even really like unleashing it yet so i think yeah. the podcast is going to be even bigger in the future yeah and it's needed and so that's like ivy media ivy music ivy podcast i'm trying to ivy direct information from real native people <laughs> exactly we need to tell our own stories in our own way Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's even been a little bit of controversy about ABTN and how like the higher ups may, might or may or may not be actually indigenous, but you know maybe that's a, a topic for another show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but you still. know it's it still needs to be a system for us that's in place, and <laughs> I'm I don't know how to put my organization together, so I get coaches who know how to. I mean, I have a master's degree in organizational management (laughs) excuse me myself but like (laughs) like, these are people who have experience on the ground experience and they've been through it all before and I've theoretically learned it in school and so it's really valuable to always have that person to show to show you how to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're not necessarily native so they help me put together the the infrastructure, I guess, of, of how Indigenous vision works. And I had that in theory, but the coach, non-Native coach, has helped me tremendously. And so if people want to set up the U.S. version, AS, APTN U.S., I heard they keep trying. I've yeah. been bugging them for like 10 years. <laughs> I've heard there's, there was a rumble a couple years ago, too, about something happening in like New Mexico that they were going to set mm-hmm. something up. But I don't know whatever happened to that. But I know that TV takes much longer. The entire process for television networking is just way, way longer than mm-hmm. I was accustomed to when working in radio. So maybe they're just getting, I don't know, paperwork. I know that you need like land for towers and stuff like that. Like yeah. There's just a lot involved. That's amazing. That's a big beast. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Could you imagine a U.S. Indigenous network? How crazy oh, would that be? I would love it. I would love it. You could see like what we could, we would be watching uh, Rutherford Falls and Trickster's about to come on and we see a Be Yellow Tail commercial in between. That's cool. It would I- snowball. It would give people like, hey, now we can make an actual series that would be featured on this network. It would mm-hmm. just completely snowball. And I think it would send a really positive ripple effect throughout mm-hmm. the entire country. Mm-hmm. And then we can be um, sitting in sparkly gowns behind these microphones <laughs> doing the Indigenous Music Awards <laughs> with Trixie Mattel. It would be so oh amazing. I would love to see Could her you dress. imagine? <laughs> Trixie Mattel is our co-host. That changes my dress. <laughs> right? I'm going to be wearing a big wig that day. 
big. But I do see your indigenous vision. And I remember you telling me about this. You were still working your day job. And you, I saw how conflicted you were. You were like, is this the right thing to do? Or should I just break off and embark on this in- incredible vision that I have? And mm-hmm. then you did. And look at it now. And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, she literally has an indigenous vision of what she wants in the world. And I thought that was so amazing. And now here you are. And I take it as an, a perspective. Like when I hear indigenous vision, I hear perspective, like in all things, it's almost like we have our, I, I should speak for myself, like this X-ray vision where everywhere I go, I can see the city itself, but then I can also see like the land. Like I'm living in Vegas right now and it's pretty windy and it's in a valley and there's like the strip and it's all like glitzy glamour, razzle dazzle, you know, lots of, uh, urban areas where there's like lots of homelessness too, but I can like also like see the meadows that were originally here because Las Vegas means the meadows in Spanish. And it is like a big rolling meadow. And I I try to imagine what it must've looked like when everything wasn't here. And it's just this grassland in a valley that's super windy and hot. And that's the indigenous vision that I carry with myself is that I can, it's like an x-ray vision you can do anywhere you go. And when I was in Louisiana, I did the same thing too. I sat there and I looked at the land and I was like, I can see the indigenous part of this area, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, like that's how I perceive indigenous vision. And then there's also like indigenizing everything around Mm -hmm. me in my environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I think that it gets mixed up a lot with like visions as in vision questing. Right. (laughs) Like this. Can imagine. Romantic type. When we were in Sedona, we, we, I got a call that asked if we could do a drum circle. And I'm like, no, it's not that kind of indigenous. <laughs> the word vision is what's triggering yeah. them, right? They think that yeah. oh, we can go and have like a, one of those mm-hmm. Native American ceremonies and like see things and hallucinate and hopefully get like a spiritual message. <laughs> and I could yeah, just, no. <laughs> I, I've seen so many of those people that I just know. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. It's more along the lines of what you said is it's a perspective. And I wanted to share like marrying that word with indigenous was an original perspective. I guess what I find in original perspectives, my Blackfoot ways is a different way to be or a different way to situate yourself in this world. I think in schools or in society, we're taught this hierarchical system based on superficial things like money or looks or, you know, they're just very superficial things. Status. It's a different value system, right? Mm, They're different. They're different points that you collect in that life. And in this different life, this other world paradigm, I'll call it this indigenous paradigm, you know, being a chief or being a leader is not how much glittery things you collect. It's how much you give away. How you can really serve yeah, for the betterment of your community is what it should be about. Yeah. And so um, giving away every last item that you have, especially because you love it and you think that that will the other person will enjoy it it'll honor them is is what I've been raised with is chief status and I think that's different than the American dream and getting the two-car garage and the pool in the backyard it's like it's just different chief status or American dream and for me chief status means that 
you have community around you and you're not lonely. And that American dream, you've got the two cars and the pool, but that seems lonely still. So <laughs> I don't know. I totally get what you're saying. And the word chief itself, I mean, we're just, we're talking about how powerful words can be here, the indigenous and the vision part and how we are incorporating that and internalizing it. And chief has also been hijacked in this society as chief executive officers who are like the top, top, top head honchos of whatever company. I mean, that name itself is another Mm -hmm. one that's been... Mm -hmm unfortunately hijacked (laughs) yeah it never used to carry that and and it's and it's become mostly masculine today like police chief fire chief Mm -hmm. chief executive officer how's it going chief right (laughs) i'm just like no don't say that to me (laughs) um in my tribe women used to be chiefs war chiefs one of my heroes she rose is Bitamaka, and she was a, a war chief. Her name used to be Weasel Woman, but uh, she was just such a great warrior that they gave her this name of another great warrior. Like she earned earned that great warrior name. We haven't had another Pitamaka since her, but you never I'm try- know. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Things can change very quickly. I've noticed in this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. So yeah, indigenous vision is that sh- that different perspective. It's a different value system. It's a different world paradigm. And it's a different way to be because I think in the Western world, if you're too infused or stuck in that way of being, you don't think there's any other way of being. And then the what you are aware of, especially if you're educated in America, is that that there are uh, what do we learn in government class? There are, wait, there's capitalistic societies, socialism, like <laughs> all of these, like, like we put them all in boxes and say, this is how this society is. And this is, and the indigenous way of being is not in any one of those systems. And somehow our way of being, which is not, maybe not fathomable because there's no, there's not a recognizable written system. See, I don't want to say there's no written system. We had writing systems. We had systems to record, but they were not in a way that European people recognize. And that's how they totally established the word civilization. Like, is are these people civilized? Um, and the one thing they look at is, is there a writing system? And they didn't recognize our pictographs or winter counts or birch bark scrolls, birch bark scrolls, wampum belts. Yeah. Like, There's tons write, of writing. <laughs> we write all over everything. Come on. I mean, we wrote on our faces for Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> How much more writing do you need? <laughs> but it wasn't in a way that they recognized. So then therefore we are not. Isn't that how it always is? People. Yeah. And I think we were classified in what we were learning about in class, like the mongoloid type people, which gives them the authority to put in efforts to civilize us. Right. I mean, could you imagine being a settler and coming across like a nighttime ceremony and seeing? They must like, have been so scared. <laughs> people around a fire. <laughs> Just, they must have been so scared. That must have been so terrifying. Oh my well, goodness. I don't think it has changed much because 
I want to say it's like almost John Candy old. Rest in peace, John Candy. <laughs> but like, there's a joke with that we have our historical trauma as Indigenous people, and settlers also have their historical trauma as well. And it sounds like what <laughs> like arrows coming. yeah okay and then um then there's another one um well they effed around and they found why out am I, <laughs> why am i telling bad jokes oh total experience it's not even a joke or a meme it's a girl i used to work with non-native girl from eastern montana and um she once told me to turn my indian music down because the drumming sounds uh creeped her out I'd be like, honey, that's a personal problem. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. Later. Oh, gosh. Yes. But like, that's, that's brutal. Like, she was just honest, right? She was just honest. And I'd be like, maybe you need to go home and reflect on why you're feeling scared. <laughs> right. It's different, isn't it? And why do we, why do we even react to things that are different? with fear like why do we like that makes me mad because I fear is like I don't know if it's a blackfoot thing but like if I'm fearful of it I'm like come on let's go <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. take this on <laughs> I always think am I going to die if it's mm -hmm. not gonna like actually physically kill me I'm mm -hmm. like why am I getting so scared Mm -hmm. Or my historical trauma started at that five, six-year-old when I found out about mass graves and, and um, starvation winters all within that Your heart first broke. Yes. Oh, yes. And we then I- We all experience it. Yeah. And I got scared of the church and um, my mom recognized it. And so even as an adult today, I am um, challenging that fear of the church and I've- I've challenged myself to work with church groups to to reassert to myself that to draw the line, like to be mentally strong about the issue, right? I don't want to be a person who is like, I'm scared. I'm scared of the church. I hate the church. Like the people are evil because <laughs> look at what they've done to my people, which was a very like that sounds very childish, but I was only seven or eight years old. I was young. I was <laughs> It was a baby. It's young to get like a, a really deep heartbreak like that, which is what a lot of indigenous children go through. Like when mm -hmm. I had my realization, like what really happened? Because you go up, you grow up those first young years, you're just a little person. And then you look at the world and they're like, oh yeah, I used to be a part of this civilization that was pretty much mm -hmm. slaughtered. And now you're like one of the descendants of the people who survived. And like, you're going to experience racism now and you're going to experience this, all these brutal things and good luck. Like it's a, it's a really brutal awakening. And I had that very young too. I remember, I think the Oka crisis was going down when I really realized how, how much of a broken system that I came from in Canada. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh my goodness, like they are fighting the government, like the government's shooting back at them. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. To be so young and to see that in like in the present moment was pretty frightening. So yeah. I've always had a complex now with governments in general. I remember that too, because my grandpa, um, it was a big thing because our, uh, my grandpa flew in with his pipe bag <laughs> on a helicopter and, um, I keep, I'm looking around for that picture. If anyone has it, Art calling last flying in on a helicopter with his pipe bag, but that's, yeah, it was that fear 
that started it and I had to confront it even so my mom and her good friends who happened to be pastors helped me confront this fear of the church that was um, that kind of like shocked me a little bit and even still today I am challenging myself with meeting people who work with church organizations who do climate work and environmental work and I focus on that end mission right like the 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 climate work that we're doing right and they're all really nice and they're not trying to convert me or say my ways are evil (laughs) or that I'm gonna burn which I have been told my little sister was told that before it was told to both of us but the lady was looking like directly at my little sister and it made me so mad yeah I've been told multiple times in my life Mm -hmm. especially being like a a goth teenager. Uh, I had a high school teacher take me aside and offer counseling because he was literally worried about my soul burning in hell. And this is like the (gasps) the mid nineties in a school, Uh, like being told uh, that. And I was like, uh, no, I like heavy metal. Leave me alone. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was like a hardcore Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's hard. It's a very hard, tumultuous relationship and Mm -hmm. and it has to be approached this is i love cultural humility because it emphasizes that non-patriarchal relationship and and that's the one that we've always had with the church and so and i'm not against believing um and belief systems right like you can believe what's been handed down to you and i actually believe everybody has been each one of the religions in the world has a purpose but it's man who usually messes that up and uh changes things changes rewrites from that yes to benefit (laughs) him himself right so so with indigenous vision i always keep in mind my origin story of like, it's mm-hmm. really just about people living in harmony with the elements. Mm-hmm. No one's better than each other. No one's higher than each other. Yeah, It's just this harmonious flow. I mean, do you think the rain gets jealous of the lightning? I don't think so. <laughs> there might be a story about that. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, in the end, they, 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 they're really just acting out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there's such cool explainers for these relationships in our origin stories. And, and I think it helps us see the world in a different way. It gives us an indigenous vision. I I noticed um, too, like yeah. eyesight, eyesight, <laughs> literal eyesight. I mean, or mindsight coming. Yeah, since I've been, you know, taking on cultural humility, more seriously lately, I'm also like trying to be more open with people that I've had the issues with like religious people. I like, I just, I just walked the other way. I'm like, Hey, nice to meet you. If we have business to do, I'll do it. But like, I have no genuine interest in like becoming your friend, which is like a pretty harsh wall that I've put up over the years. But as I get older and more, I guess, awake, I'm like, maybe I'll see what you're about. But I, I still haven't had, I don't have any Christian friends to this day. I had a friend go Christian and then kind of retract from that because she was like, I don't know what I was thinking. She was Christian oh, no. for like 10 years and um, <laughs> we used to party and she used to tell me, she used to yell every once in a while, God help you. And I'd be like, we're both sitting at the same table. 
drinking <laughs> the same alcohol and you're like yelling about hymns and stuff like that. So I've like, I've been exposed to a lot of different types of religious people. I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced um, the type of organizations that you've been involved with. I know that you were involved with the climate change people and stuff like that. So I'm still learning. I'm slowly yeah. still learning. And it is a lot. I mean, I really have to like not get reactive and just calm down. Don't let my triggers like take over the situation. Just take a couple deep breaths and just compassionately listen and experience mm-hmm. whenever I encounter someone that doesn't have the same beliefs as me or that's kind of like triggering me like hardcore Christians do. It's going to be a lifelong thing because like... Oh, I, th- I think that's what our world needs is more just pausing and breathing mm-hmm. before reacting to somebody who either rubs your beliefs wrong or doesn't have the same beliefs as you. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to take all of us to realize that we need to. Yeah. Like I, I at least I am self-observant and I notice where I put up walls for people like that. Like I'll, mm-hmm. as soon as I hear that someone's Christian, I immediately throw up a wall, which is, you know, something I'm still working on because of like everything I've experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to use my quote unquote indigenous vision to see past and be more accepting because in my origin story, we were just really accepting. Like, I don't even think that we like beefed with other tribes. We were just like, everybody should just be whoever they want to be peacefully. And that's what life's about. You know, we don't have to get crazy about anything. Just be good, be yourself and live in harmony with the elements. I mean, yeah, you Anishinaabe were kind of between us crazy Blackfoots (laughs) and Crees. And then on the other side of you, you have the Haudenosaunee people. (laughs) Like I don't, I'd never considered any other nation like an enemy you know like there's never been I don't know sometimes the Crees used to talk some smack you know where I'm from but like like again I'm like that's a personal issue I'm just saying (laughs) yes 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 maybe we were just too agreeable or something I don't know (laughs) the initial we were just like everyone is everyone is love and everybody is one (laughs) you're like that's great would you like this basket of strawberries exactly (laughs) Sorry, you're having a bad day. Let's go for a swim. (laughs) (laughs) And me, I'm like, who said that? Do they want to fight? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Stereotypes. Stereotypes, guys. (laughs) So, yeah, that Indigenous vision is we're, we're always mistaken for Indigenous vision questing which is not not it's not it's kind of what we're it's funny that we get mistaken for that because our work actually goes pushes against those stereotypes right we want to we're an environmental organization we work to put environmental management with an indigenous uh, touch to it which is um, my one of my my shiro's who is living, uh, Rosalind Lapierre. She's a doctor here at the University of Montana, and she wrote a great article. And she says that people are always under this idea that we are, we were always about harmony and balance, but it was really about control. And, and it wasn't control, um, the way I interpret it is it wasn't control in the white man's way of control or 
definition of control. Um, we had divine gifts, I guess. Is like all yeah, oh, this terminology is so hard because nobody can see my air quotes like divine. So like it, it, that means it can come from the earth, it can come from the plants, the rocks, the stars. Like that's it's otherworldly, other human, divine, gifted knowledge. Mm-hmm of how to interact and the protocol to proceed with to honor the other being and give it respect. And there was never like an exclusion of no, you can't use. There must be in some cases, right? But I I think in general, there wasn't. And it was a, this is how you use. And so like the contract between Blackfoot people and bison, there was a long time ago, a prehistoric relationship of of a, a buffalo chief leader wanting to have a woman as his wife and and he accidentally stole someone else's woman I think <laughs> so the man got his woman back and there was some power so somehow the man impressed the buffalo chief and there was power given like a pipe and mm-hmm. and this contract that from then on that the the Buffalo nation would give the people everything we need to thrive the way the Buffalo nation is thrived. Collaboration. So, so yeah, collaboration, mutually beneficial. So horrible at telling that story. That is not the correct way to tell an indigenous story. <laughs> you have to say who you heard it from and you have to tell it the way you heard it. Um, and I just paraphrase. So that's wrong. <laughs> it's okay though. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really hungry right now. I'm so much more hungrier. Like you said, I started um, weightlifting or weight training. Weights will make you hungry. Yeah. And I dried some I always feel like I can eat the whole forest when I'm Uh, like lifting weights. I think I ate a whole pineapple. So two or four days ago, I um, bought pineapple. Organic pineapple was on sale. So I got it and I cut it all up and chopped it into little bits and I put it in the oven for about two and a half, three hours at 175. And it came out perfect. Ooh. I soak, I soaked it in lemon juice beforehand. But wow. it's so soft and chewy and delicious. I ate the whole thing here now talking with you, which means <laughs> I ate the whole pineapple. <laughs> I ate a whole pineapple last night. I eat whole pineapples often, but I'm also a vegan. So I'm used to eating like an, an extreme <laughs> amount of produce like in one sitting. Don't even oh, I think I have the recipe though. I have the recipe to dehydrate now and watch out. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> I'm going to dehydrate everything. That was like the most gentle watch out I've ever heard. That was so cute. It's got berries. Watch out. <laughs> got dried berries. <laughs> I got dried berries. I'm going to have a five gallon bucket of dried berries mm. um, by the time this next berry season comes. So, oh, I'm, I'm in the desert. I miss berries so much. I'm from the land of the Saskatoon berry. Oh, Ooh, those are so delicious. Oh, I should send you some of my dried Saskatoons. Yeah. All I you need is like, some. I think you just need a cup of hot water and they'll come back to life. Or you could just Beautiful. throw them in cereal. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. See, this is the kind of stuff that we do. Like we're totally still traditional indigenous. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm super excited and distracted by berries. Oh my goodness. I got in trouble once. Um, and this is like, like why you believe, right? I don't know if I should say this on air, but this is why I believe my worldview in a sweat lodge. Once I got in trouble and reprimanded for wanting berries too aggressively. Mm. And see, I'm still salivating at berries. I'm just a berry hog. Like I'm poor, poor piggies, nothing against piggies, but like, I'm just a berry monster. Berries and are effing delicious. Yeah, but I was thinking in a sweat, and this is when I was really, really young too. So it's a sweat lodge, kind of like the woo-woo way of explaining it is like, it's like a, it's a portal or a mechanism to, to purify and communicate. I'm not the leader of those. So, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but we were in a sweat lodge growing up and I was impatient and I knew I was not being like good right I was I was saying oh my god I wish this would hurry up I really want some berries I'm so hungry and I was thinking this in my mind and something happened what happened are they maybe I dreamt it I don't know but it's um okay so the sweat went on and the the music was singing it was a doctoring sweat and uh, they told me to not be impatient and that the point of a sweat lodge was not to eat berries. And they said it out of the blue. So there's Ooh. some things I'm missing in there. But I thought that in my head and then the ceremony continued, right? And then I must have thought it again. But after that song, they were like, the point of the sweat lodge is not the berries. And I'm like, oh. Busted. <laughs> got called out in the sweat lodge yes so yes want but not too much (laughs) and that's goes back to you know exactly how we used to operate not taking more than you need from anything yeah it was a totally noppy moment like Mm -hmm. yeah so noppy um in the form of coyote one time wanted this bird song and this bird song would make the bird's eyes pop out and then pop back into his head. And Noppy was like, that's such a cool song. I want to learn it. And the birds were like, okay, well, you're only allowed to sing it four times. And so then like Noppy sang it three times and he was like, I'm just going to sing it again. The birds aren't even around to see me. They won't, they won't hear. And he sang it and his eyes popped out and didn't go back in his head. And so he had to sit there all night under the tree with no eyes and he couldn't find his eyes. And um, it's just a story like, I guess that's what it reminds me of the berries like you want and want and want. And you sometimes don't follow the protocol that you've been given and bad things happen. <laughs> True. <laughs> like that Indian parent thing of, of uh, see, that's what you get when you don't listen. <laughs> I know my dad used to tell me whenever I'd be laughing like a lot all day, he's like, you're going to have nightmares. You're <laughs> laughing too much. It's like, you're if you laughing. laugh all day, you're going to have nightmares. And I'd be like, oh. and then one time I did. And I was like, he's right. Because <laughs> I, I'm a laughy person, you know, I'm really smiley and laughy as a child, giggling, loud laughter, belly laughs. And then sure enough, I had a nightmare one night and I was like, oh my God. And even to this day, when I have like big, crazy giggle fits, I'm like, Ooh, I could have a nightmare. Like that still <laughs> sticks in my head. I'm going to have a bad dream tonight. 
<laughs> Thanks, the balance. The balance. <laughs> and apparently I laugh in my sleep. Totally insane. <laughs> totally insane. I don't know if that's like a weird Ojibwe dream catcher thing, but I'm like. <laughs> oh, the gift I've, of jolly. It's yeah, I've heard from multiple roommates like you were laughing in your sleep last night and it was so creepy. And I'm like, really? Hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Um, oh, I would love to be so jolly. It wakes <sighs> people up. It comes and goes these days. <laughs> Ooh, it comes and goes yeah. in this world. That's for well, sure. It's a global but pandemic. It's a global pandemic. Still. It's been a lot, Suta. It's been a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm on like a roller coaster this past year. I have like, I'll be doing super good. And then I'm just like down in the dirt and then I'm up again and I'm down right now. I'm doing really well. Like this mm -hmm. week in general is really good. So I'm glad that we're talking about indigenous vision and its origin and, you know, how it came to be, what it means mm -hmm. for both of us. And what is it, where do you want this to go? We should probably end off on that. Where do you want yeah. in, indigenous vision? Not to end, but just like what direction do you want? Oh, this I would love to have like a short channel like on on the APTN US or XM mm. Sirius that helps share the work that we're doing. Like even a 30 minute interview with an elder or community culture keeper by one of, by me or you would be sharing indigenous vision on that. So it'd be like fish in the water, but it would be the IV podcast. And we help share a vision that makes this world better. It's it, it helps heal this word world we're in. And I think it helps transition to it to a kind of a concept of a new, new time mm. or a new era where all the extermination efforts that they did to our grandparents and parents didn't work and people our age take the mic <laughs> and and take the stage and start saying maybe we can value things like this maybe we can make policies or laws like this maybe we can make community events like this maybe we can get along with each other like this and it's all indigenous led and it's just different and it's what welcomed in the settlers you know it's what welcomed in you know if immigration was handled by indigenous people there would still be people i think in what's north and south america today i think um it would have happened different if indigenous people were in c control of that and it and i don't think it was a you know, it's it wasn't a thing of exclusion or hierarchy or who owned what or who. It was a who knew each other and how they knew each other and how they were there for each other and how they related to the place that they were. And so you can't live a lifestyle. I mean, it's so perfect. The, the cities in the desert, we ship in water and we have three million people in phoenix arizona dependent on shipped in water so that's mm. dependent on electric infrastructure otherwise like the groundwater wells there half of them are tapped half of them are contaminated half of them are almost dry it's just a different way of being and the indigenous people in arizona know how to be in arizona and know how to drive farm and know how to work canal systems and run water from the river to the canals without drying up the river and once this new system of water management came in 
um, and I can confidently say this because I've worked in <laughs> drinking water, water resource specialist, professional here. Um, once this new Western system of water management came in, we saw springs dry up, rivers dry up, our groundwater resources dry up, and, and we're so dependent on electrical infrastructure to ship water into places that are very, very dry. And it's not, it's not sustainable, and, and, and it's just kind of setting us up crisis I think but indigenous people have the vision <laughs> going back to indigenous vision they have the vision and the practice and the experience and the knowledge handed down of how to live in a desert and how to take water out of a river without drying it up it's a different way of being and I don't know if that vision or that way of seeing or being can support three million people now like that's just three million people in maricopa county i think which includes phoenix mesa scottsdale glendale Peoria. there needs to be at least a collaboration though you know like a blending of Mm -hmm. both at least like the dude said uh santorum there was nothing here before (laughs) settlers got here and it, it confirmed for me that and i always say it like like, I can't believe this is serious, guys, but I've spoke to my fellows, I've speak to other activists and, and people working in the justice field. And I'm kind of on the lines of like, well, justice in the Native community won't happen until we're seen as people. And that's a feeling and a thought. And I'm like, but it, when it comes out, it's so strange to me that I have to say that, <laughs> or that that has to be said. Mm-hmm. And then what he said about nothing being here is exactly what I feel like that's what they're teaching in the school system. I confirm it with every group of youth I talk with is who learned about treaties in high school, Mm -hmm. who learned about the closest native nations to them. Nobody, nobody learned anything. So we're literally nothing. And I, and, and because we're nothing, we're not treated like we're human missing murdered indigenous people this is a week of awareness this week from april 28th to may 5th why do we have an epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous people and women is because we're seen as nothing as disposable and so i guess it gets pretty heavy sorry guys (laughs) for bringing this down but this indigenous vision is a new way to see people and we didn't have women's rights issues before settlers came because women there was not a gender oppression that existed here the way it exists in western society and so it's just a great way of being and i'm so proud of of the people i come from and the ways we had in relating to each other and the earth. And I would love for every indigenous person out there to recognize their ancestral power uh, that they come from in terms of those value systems and those stories that we carry. And we have the responsibility to learn and pass on to our future generations. So I think it'll just make this next world, this world, <laughs> much better place. Yes, I'm hearing Indigenous vision is creating a space for us to be humanized and seen on the mm-hmm. level that we need. You know, you want the network, you want the channels, boom, we would be seen. We would totally be seen yes. as real yes. living people with real yes. experiences, not like mm-hmm. in a history. And it's a different way of being. 
It is. Yeah. And cultural humility is cool because it's actually, I feel like I'm adding, um, because I'm an indigenous woman leading those, facilitating those trainings, I feel like I get to infuse indigenous values into some of those. It makes sense. mm -hmm. It's hard work sometimes, especially for the people who are like, I, I have no culture. Everybody has a culture. Everybody has a vision of way they of the way they see things and why they see things like that. That's your culture. And everybody has a gift and everyone has a way, mm-hmm. a, their own special way of being in this realm. Mm-hmm. And once you remember that, then you'll then you'll understand, I think, the world a bit better, which is the journey that I'm on constantly. <laughs> we should all be on that. We yeah. should all be on that journey. Yay, Indigenous vision. <laughs> I love, What's I want your... to throw in that I love the fact that it's, it's IV, which mm-hmm. means four. I love that too. I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything, but I just love that. Whenever I see IV, I always think of the number four, which is I, such a I powerful did like number. That too. Like that's I did like that too. Coincidence. Because like IV music, it's all directions, all genres. Exactly. The four directions. <laughs> Yay. Well, we're missing up and down. But we've got the four and four is holy too. But yeah, like that's IV is for IV as in like emergency. I think society is in need, in need of some emergency values. <laughs> intravenous values. Intravenous like, values. Like, get in you, like get the IV ready because we're going to inject you with some values and some core values that are much needed. Yes, yes. Core values that were not even, they're, they're not necessarily even created by my own people or your own people. They're, they're kind of gifted from the earth that we come from or are a part of. Yes. So, Wow beautiful thank you i like to i like to always end i used to end um especially when i started years ago is to ask people what their indigenous vision was and what um because my grandpa always used to say i'd like to get this written so that it's recorded and and people can learn from it so if there's one story or one area or one thing that you think would help people like that's your indigenous vision (laughs) and everybody's indigenous from somewhere so yeah if you're of euro descent i'm pretty sure you've got a pagan indigenous ancestor in there and the european has such a crazy bloody history of of conquest and 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 war and um you know, different, different religions coming into power and squashing out other religions and, and killing people if you didn't. Yeah, like, that's a pretty intense history a, to come it's from. It's a damn mess. If you oh, it's just, it. <laughs> I've never even like, been interested to wrap my brain around it. I'm just like, that's too much for me. But there's an indigenous root in there. There's an yeah, indigenous everybody root. Everybody has ancestors. Mm-hmm. And an indigenous practice. And um, we are all of the place we originally are made from. And I say that because I feel like I have, my family is Blackfoot somewhere. Like my great-great-grandpappy was an authentic French fur trapper. He comes from French, Italian, Northern Italy area. I don't know much about him. And then my Blackfeet and my blood side are from 
these pretty much these same areas around like the little Chicago to Porcupine Hills area of Alberta and then this Cupping Creek Milk River area of Montana and so I whether I like it or not my DNA is influenced by the dirt that got in my ancestors teeth like those minerals helped form us (laughs) is I don't know if this is a far stretch for people but we are made of the dirt of the place we are either metaphorically in or or in affirmatively within our origin stories that clay formation or just by your ancestors growing up in a place like I always wonder like for the 60 scoop people do they go to a place and they just feel like they belong like they feel like there's something vibrating at the right energy the right frequency is it because in your blood you have that same mineral earth forming and and it's just home because uh my my um that great great grandpappy his name was joe cabell and he helped dig the um the cabell ditch that's talked about another reason why i'm in water cool thing is my my white great 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 grandpa helped dig the cabell ditch that's talked about in the winter doctrine which is the guiding doctrine for allocating water rights and i think he was he's highlighted in there because he's a non-native man digging a ditch that went from a reservation to a county to a state and um, had canadian waters in there so it was a big water rights mess of who owned the water right so i'm in the same field today but how do we get back to indigenous vision like it's, it's just woo, we fall off there um but indigenous vision is kind of infused in everything. Everybody has an indigenous vision. Everybody's indigenous from some place. And we are of that place. We are um, like we are in the indigenous area that we're from. I always mm-hmm. wondered that, too. I've always wanted to ask people like I've always wondered, like if they go back to where they're from, like their ancestors are from, would they feel differently on that land? Because you see a lot of people who go to Africa, for example, a lot of black people go to Africa and they feel overwhelmed. They feel the power of their land. And some, some of them are even brought to tears, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder would I feel different if I went to a different continent, would I lose that connection that I have with this land that I'm currently on? The Mm -hmm. land plays such a huge part. And I think our Mm -hmm. being, because we're on our traditional land, this is our continent, right? Oh, you just reminded me of a TikTok I watched a couple of months ago. I can't remember. I apologize to that lady. Um, But she made a great TikTok that brought me to tears. And she said, she said a percentage, like 40 to 50% of the slaves that were brought to America came from my country. Well, we want our people back. (laughs) We want them to come home. And I was like, oh my God, they remember. And for people of color and indigenous people, 150 years, 200 years is not that long because we have stories that go 10,000 years ago. So like we've got, we've got stories of saber tooth tigers like that's a long old story and so then if you think about it having your people stolen 150 200 250 years ago is not that long ago in your people's history not long at all no 
We're, yeah, we're still wanting our our kids back that got taken to residential school and never returned home. We want their bodies back. Mm-hmm. Indigenous mm-hmm. vision. Ooh. It's, a, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's, it's a, a big, big one. one. Yeah. And it, I just, there's a lot of, it's a grim history, guys. And that history has to be talked about to be healed through. And you have to be prepared for that conversation and all of the things it might bring up in you. But yeah, there are things that can move you to tears in a good way and move you to tears in a really sad and um, depressing way. So um, always, I guess, keep your items that give you power near. (laughs) That's my that's my way that helps me. And I light my sweet grass and. Uh, You don't have to light your sage or smudge your room. Please don't buy white sage if you don't live in California. Pick your local sage. It's the, it's a, it's a kind vision. Yes. It's a kinder vision in a kinder way. But maybe we should have a part two. Definitely. Let's have a part two because this is a lot to unpack. And it's like, yeah, there's some topics where it just gets way too vast and heavy to include everything that should be included in that conversation so stay tuned for part two indigenousvision.org 